Good to see everyone here today. We're uh, glad to be in the house of the Lord and worship our God. Amen. Amen. If you would grab your bulletins, some uh, announcements as we get started. On the back of your bulletins is the tear-off portion. If you are a guest, just fill out this blue side, put it in the offering plate when it goes by. And uh, anything you'd like to know about McCannsville Baptist, let us, let us know about that. And then on the yellow side at the bottom is a place for prayer requests. Anything you need prayer for, put it on there, and we'll be faithful to pray with you on our Tuesday's staff time. On the back are opportunities for the week. I wanted to make a mention of a few things, and we have a few other announcements. Tonight we do have our encounter service. Uh, we are up to Spiritual Warfare 301. That's third level college course right there. So uh, it's been a good study, and so if you'd like to come out, 5 o'clock, we meet right here in the sanctuary. 6 o'clock, we've got youth, handbell, 615. And then this week, we also have our full Wednesday night activities, Wednesday morning Bible study at 11, Wednesday night supper at 530. And I'll pause right there. If you look at your green cards in your bulletins, this is our Wednesday night supper reservation card. We're not going to put them in the bulletin every week. Don't worry about that. But if you want to be on the permanent list, if you're not on the permanent list, just put your name on there, check it, put it in the offering plate. And then if any particular week you're just coming for that Wednesday night meal, just grab one of these green cards. They'll be on the back tables every week. We'll get the ushers to hand you one. If you, if you ask for one, they'll know what these green cards are. And just put it in the offering plate, and you can be signed up for whichever weeks you're coming to dinner. And the cost is $5 for adults, $2.50 for children, $14 max for families. And then we ask, if you're not here on Sundays, if you're not able to do that, and you're not on the permanent list, call the office by 3 o'clock Monday to make your reservations. Or if you're on the permanent list, please try to call by then to say, I'm not going to be there, and we'll know what to prepare. So we are looking forward to our Wednesday night supper this week, and we're doing it every week this uh, school year. So thank you for those who are involved with that. Uh, Wednesday, we also have our connect groups, Awana, Youth, Midweek Bible Study, and Worship Choir Rehearsal. A few other things to announce. Um, the shoe ministry is going very well. I have realized a couple things. First of all, there's, a, there's the neighborhood in the Dominican, a very, very poor neighborhood that most of them don't have shoes. It's called Los Humildes. Our pastor has gone into the community and has measured everybody's shoe size. I have received their shoe size, and now I'm trying to figure out what these shoe sizes mean, because they're not U.S. shoe sizes. So I'm in the version of translating that to our shoe sizes. But we have, um, very exciting, we have 52 pairs of children that we need to collect, 41 pairs for the teenagers, and 37 pairs for the adults. So a grand total of 130 people live in that community. It's not a big community, but our goal is for Christmas Eve for us to get a pair of shoes onto every person's feet in Los Humildes. So we need 130 pairs of shoes to be donated. The month of October, we'll have tubs in, in, in the gym and here bring in shoe sizes. We looked, and as we did a conversion, most of them are pretty common sizes. So if you are wondering if it's exact, donate it. Kids' shoe sizes change, and we will need all kinds of sizes. But 52 children, 41 youth, 37 adults, and preferably athletic type of shoes. 
and ones that are not in terrible shape. Don't give ones that you've worn out. But if they're still in good shape and you've outgrown them or you don't wear them, please donate them, and that'll be a wonderful Christmas present for those who don't get Christmas presents uh, very often. Also, uh, we do need actors for, our, for small roles in our Christmas musical. We need an adult male, adult female, a teenager, and two young children. So please see Paul if you're interested in helping out with that. And then, it just keeps going, we have a blanket fringe party. Okay, my guess is there's some fringe things that you put onto the blankets at this party. So you cut some fringes at this party, and then on the 13th, you tie them together. So all I know is you need to come and bring a pair of scissors. October 11th, 5 p.m., it's a Friday night for our blanket fringe party. Bring some snacks, too, or something, yes. All right, and then October... Pizza, all right, there you go. So, And then the blanket tying party is October 13th after the morning worship. And... I will allow it. Chuck, come on up. <laughs> Our Rise Against Hunger announcement is from Chuck this morning, so thank you. Good morning. No, sound, say it like you mean it. We're all awake now. We've had breakfast and coffee. Good morning. Good morning. That's better. We're all awake now. Rise Against Hunger is coming back. We've seen the videos. We've heard the speeches for the last couple of weeks. Next Sunday is the day. We talked about last week about make it a bring a friend day, bring a family member day. Bring as many people as we can so that we can pack the FLC and we can pack lots and lots of meals. So we can bring a smile to someone's face. So they can have breakfast the same way we have it. They can have a dinner the same way we have it. That's what we're looking for next Sunday. Schedule for next Sunday <coughs> is going to be as follows. 8.30 worship. During the worship service, we are having communion. So deacons, we're going to need you here early. Uh, after worship service, between 9.45 and 10.10, we're going to have an abbreviated Sunday school. We need everybody to be out of Sunday school by 10.10 so we can have everyone over to the FLC by 10.15 to 10.20 so we can get the kickoff going. We're also going to need <coughs> deacons and whoever else we can have and at 11 o'clock to the front door, we want to be able to have somebody out there to guide them to, to the FLC in the back. So any deacons that we can have available or anybody else in the church that would like to be able to help to be in the parking lot, to be at, to man the doors, and to help those who need help getting over to the FLC to enjoy an, an our event, uh, we welcome you. You can contact anybody in the mission development team or myself uh, or any uh, deacons if you want to be uh, a part of that. Now, sign up for the event is very critical. We need people to sign up for this. This thing can be done online and it can be done uh, on, a pa on a paper that's at the back of the uh, church in the, in the foyer there. Gloria Thompson has the, the board out there and she has the sign up sheet. Uh, we need everybody to sign up for that. Now, in the event that you have some family or friends coming on Sunday, they can still participate. There will be a sign-up sheet that day also. 
but we're trying to get everyone signed up so we have an idea of how many stations we are going to set up and how many people are going to be there for this. So that, that is critical. Um, sign up can be done online and it can be done in the foyer with Gloria after service. <coughs> Keep that in mind, please. Also, <coughs> next Sunday, it's casual dress. You don't have to dress up. We're going to go over to the FLC and we're going to have a good time in the name of the Lord. Casual dress next Sunday. We're going to come to church. We're going to have worship service. We're going to have communion and we're going to go over to the FLC and we're going to pack some meals. Lastly, the, the event for Rise Against Hunger, uh, it is not a free event. We are accepting uh, donations to help to fund this. The church and the admissions development team are going to front the funds uh, to cover this, <coughs> but we are accepting donations. And there are envelopes in your pews. There are envelopes in the back of the foyer. There are envelopes in your Sunday school class. Uh, if you feel uh, free to donate, we will gladly accept those. And that can be done anytime. doesn't have to be today. Tomorrow can happen all the way through the end of the year. Uh, if the Spirit leads you to donate some money to that uh, event, uh, we welcome that. Now, that gets that all out of the way. Next Sunday, mark it on your calendars, please. Come early, 8.30, and enjoy the word of God. Take communion, fellowship with one another. Let's go over to the FLC, and let's make an impact, not just in this community. Let's make an impact across the world and feed lots of people. Thank you. Good morning. Let us stand and sing number 642, God of Our Fathers. We will sing verses 1, 3, and 4. Verses 1, 3, and 4, God of Our Fathers, number 642. Please join us.
Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made yourself evident to us this day through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have given us a Savior who has redeemed us and gave us uh, a new beginning. God, we pray that we would be people who reflect your goodness and your glory each and every day and that we would not have our hearts be darkened or hardened and that we would acknowledge you in all your ways. So, God, we give you this service. We pray you have your way with it, and that we bring you honor, and we bring you glory this day. May your Holy Spirit dwell in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let us stand and sing number 502. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, number 502. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.
keep your hymnals open to page 474 for our responsive reading. Lead us, Lord, page 474. I will do the worship leader. Together we'll do worshipers. And then ladies will be together and men will be together as well. So I will begin. What does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul? Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. You belong to Christ and Christ to God. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Sunshine in my soul, number 619. Please stand and sing with us. 619, Sunshine in My Soul.
morning. Gracious God, use these monies and all that we have for the buildings up for your work in this church and the wider world for your glory. Amen.
Shall we pray? Eternal God, as we come into your presence again on this day that you have so graciously given to us, we bow with thanksgiving, thanksgiving in our hearts for the opportunity to come together around your word and to listen for a word from you. I pray, Father, that as we gather, you will speak to our hearts and our minds, that the words of Scripture might become real to us as we seek to follow you. We pray, Father, for those who are ill, for those who are facing surgery in the coming week. We know, Father, that as we give them to you, that you are ministering in their lives already, that you are bringing healing, and that you are preparing them for what is to come. We're grateful, Father, for all of the work of this church for the ministries of this place, for the calling of your people to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May we always look to you, Father, to fill us with those things that we need to be filled with as we seek to serve. We pray, Father, for our missionaries, for their work here and around the world. We pray, Father, that you will bless them and use them, and minister through them to the needs of people. We pray, Father, for our ministries here, for the opportunity to donate shoes so that others might have shoes to wear. We have so much, Father, and we are blessed so greatly. And so we pray for those, Father, that we can help along life's way. May we help them. And for those, Father, that we will minister to in the coming weeks in Nicholsville. For those, Father, that we will minister to in our own community. Prepare our hearts and our minds. So that we might bring a cup of water to those who are thirsty. Speak to us in this time. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Exodus chapter 3. And your bulletin says through verse 13, but I'm going to read through verse 14 this morning. Familiar story to most of us. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. 
So when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. We are born excuse makers. We have been since the beginning of time. Adam blamed Eve and God for his fall into sin. His descendants have followed his example by blaming someone else when things go wrong. While some excuses are perfectly legitimate, it should be recognized that the development of the habit of making excuses is very dangerous. Most excuses contain an element of dishonesty. If we develop the habit of always making excuses, we can rob ourselves of the habit of correcting our mistakes, which always leads to further failure. Making excuses is a form of escapism in which we refuse to accept responsibility for either our actions or our decisions. When you are brought face to face with an opportunity to render some service to God or to be helpful to others, do you instinctively seek an excuse to avoid, postpone, or escape? If you find that you have developed the habit of making excuses, you can be both comforted and disturbed. You can be comforted by the fact that you are not alone, but you should be disturbed for this habit can prove to be extremely dangerous to yourself and detrimental to others. Our scripture reading for today concerns a man who at first traveled the road of excuse making. Moses repeatedly offered excuses as to why he was not the proper person to do what God was calling him to do. Are we imitating his example? It would be wise for us to re-examine our excuses. Are they acceptable unto God? Are they acceptable to us personally when we give them serious thought? Would they be acceptable in the eyes of others? It is safe to say that every one of us has made blunders and foolish decisions. Most of us, if possible, some of us would go back in time and change these blunders. I'm sure that as we look at the life of Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he also would want to change his blunders. 
Although 40 years have gone by, Moses would still want to go back in time and remove his pride, remove his anger, and remove the murder that he committed in Egypt. As we come to Exodus chapter 3, I believe we will see that for 40 years, Moses' foolish decision has been plaguing him. Now he is 80 years old. There are three dangers most of us encounter when we serve God, and Moses illustrates all three. First, it is running ahead of the will of God. In Moses' younger life, he ran ahead of God's will, took matters in his own hand, and murdered someone. Second, it is retreating after we have failed. You will fail. And like Moses, the tendency will be to retreat and never to serve God again. The third thing that Moses illustrates for us is it is the feeling of inferiority. You begin to compare yourself to others. You will constantly think that someone else is always more qualified. The problem is God has been speaking to you. You were called into service to him, no other person. When we come to Exodus chapter 3, we are not told that 40 years have gone by since Moses left Egypt. All we are told is that he now keeps the flock of his father-in-law. But let's look at Moses in this story. We will also refer to chapter 4. God needs the help of Moses to set his people free. You see, Moses had no idea what the day held for him. There was no message in the clouds, no rock slide, no thunder, no lightning. There was no hint that his life was going to change at all. It was just another day of tending the flock. It is interesting that when revival comes, it arrives on ordinary days. You may have been praying for it, but when it comes, it always takes you by surprise. Just like the day that David was told by his father to take some food to his brothers. He did not know it, but there was a giant named Goliath just dying to be killed. And from that day forward, David's life would never be the same. And so it was for Moses. It was just another day in the desert. He had been there 40 years doing the same job. Here is the point. When God leads you into a ministry, it happens on ordinary days in God's time according to God's will. We cannot get ahead of God. God appeared to Moses on the backside of the desert in a bush that burned with fire but was not consumed. The Hebrew word for bush means thorny shrub. It was just another shrub and the fact that it burned was not unusual. You see, spontaneous combustion often will burn a bush in the desert because of the heat. So the fact that there is a burning bush is not what catches Moses' attention. What catches Moses' attention is the fact that three hours have gone by and the bush is still burning. Maybe even six hours have gone by and the bush is still burning. And out of curiosity, Moses turns aside to get a closer look at this bush that will not burn out. Think about it. I added the hours. You'll not find that in the scripture. But the bush did not burn up. When Moses approached, God spoke to him. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow, and I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good land and a large land unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And so here is the point. Once God saw the break in Moses' concentration, God spoke to Moses. Take time for God to speak to you. We are in such a quick pace, get it done routine that we don't have time to listen. No wonder we seldom hear from God. It is as if God has to take a number. Even our private prayer life is us only asking God to do things for us. Our relationship with God becomes just a bunch of rules that we follow. It's not really a fellowship, a relationship. Not only did God declare his intention of delivering the oppressed Israelites who were being treated cruelly as slaves, but he revealed the role that Moses was to play in this deliverance. In verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The words of God to Moses reveal the intention that the Lord Jesus had for his disciples as he commissioned them to serve as his witnesses in a sin-enslaved world. You see, today, Jesus needs the cooperation of his disciples to deliver people from the slavery and waste of sin. And Jesus continues to look to his followers in leading the unsaved out of the slavery of sin and into the freedom of kinship and relationship and faith with him. God had a plan, and Moses was part of that plan. But Moses, like most of us, began to make excuses. Moses replied to God, as many modern people respond to their spiritual opportunities and responsibilities. In today's language, he said, you can just count me out. I have sheep to care for. I have my own family to consider. That which you propose would be exceedingly difficult and inconvenient, and I'm not at all disposed to do this thing at this time. I don't want to do it. Have you ever felt that way? Moses knew his own limitations. But hear that. His own limitations. He carefully evaluated his own abilities and provided a list of his disqualifications. He first pled his lack of fitness for the task. He said, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses was saying, anybody but me, I'm just not cut out for that job. It's just not my cup of tea. What Moses does not realize is that he is just like the burning bush. Think about that. There are thousands of bushes, but what makes the burning bush so special is that God is in it. And do you know what makes you so special to God? It's that God is in you. It is that, it is He that is in you. If you do not recognize that, is God in you that makes all the difference? You will come up with the sounds. You come up with what sounds like good excuses for not serving God. You see, Moses listed his own limitations. Moses' eyes were on himself. The greatest battle in doing God's will will be the battle we fight within ourselves. Because if God calls you, he will equip you. 
Martin Luther was at the Diet of Worms and some of his friends stood with him. He is awaiting an audience with the highest officials of the church. One of Martin Luther's friends said to him, aren't you afraid? Luther replied, the thing that I fear more than the Pope is self. Moses next pled his lack of an exhaustive knowledge of God. Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses was declaring that he had not been to Bible college or seminary. He had no experience as a Sunday school teacher or a deacon. He was pleading inexperience and immaturity. What shall I say to them? I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the background. But I will say to you again, if God calls you, he will provide. There are times in your life You will not have all the answers. You know that, don't you? People will ask you a question that you will not be able to answer. People will see the flaws in your life. People will find out that you are human. That's when you fall back on God. That's when you say, I am is with me. I am is with you. God made the difference in Moses' life. Moses next pled his lack of authority and prestige. Behold, this is verse 1 of chapter 4. Behold, they will not believe me nor hear my voice, for they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. They would call him a quack. They would call him someone who was half out of his mind for saying that God had spoken to him. Moses was forgetting God as he offered these excuses. He was assuming that his success was going to be determined by his own human ability rather than by the power of God. Many people today make the same fatal mistake and offer the same silly excuse that Moses offered. What Moses is concerned about here is this, his image. He wants to look good. He wants to have some clout. He wants people to respect him. And he doesn't want to be made to look like a fool in front of Pharaoh for after all remember he was raised with Pharaoh like a brother but then Moses also pled a lack of speaking ability oh Lord I'm not eloquent I'm slow of speech and of slow tongue Many people today offer the excuse that they are not public speakers. They declare that because they do not have the ability to sweep an audience off its feet with their oratory, they are automatically eliminated from responsibility as the servants of the Lord. If the Lord gives you a message, he will give you tongue to share it. It's important to understand that. It's God's message through you. It's not your message. This is the most common excuse given among Christians. The excuse is, I do not have all the ability. I am not qualified as others. It would be just like someone who says, compared to Billy Graham, I'm an idiot. And that might be true, right? But say to them, and say to yourself, "Who who is comparing? God isn't speaking to Billy Graham. God is speaking to you. God has a message for you. Moses finally says, please, Lord, send someone else. He had made his excuses and he was set. But if you look at verse 14 of chapter 4, you will see that Moses' excuses provoked the anger of God. 
Moses' excuses were an insult to the truthfulness of God. For in each instance, God promised to make him adequate for the task to which he was being called. Moses' excuses were actually declarations of his lack of faith in the promise of God. You see, that happens to us. God has a job for you in this church. We beg people to work with our Wednesday night programs. We beg people to get involved in Sunday school. And people will sit back and say, I'm not qualified. You're not qualified because you have not submitted yourself to God. He is the one who qualifies us. He is the one that will give the willing heart the words that they need. God was angry for Moses' sake. God was just as interested in Moses achieving his greatest possible potential as he was in delivering the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. God was unhappy with this man who was staggering back in unbelief and depriving himself of the opportunity to achieve his divine destiny. God is angry with us when we make excuses for we also stagger around in mediocrity and nothingless when we could achieve something really worthwhile in the service of God if we only would submit to him. God was angry with Moses for the sake of the suffering Israelites. Moses was uniquely equipped by virtue of his personal knowledge of the court of Pharaoh and by virtue of his 40 years in the wilderness to be the deliverer of these downtrodden people who were so dear to the heart of God. A loving God could not stand by in impassive, unconcerned toward a man who was refusing to assist in a noble venture. Neither will God be happy with us if we refuse to become involved in meeting the needs of our present world, our community, and even our local church. It takes all of us, and God calls all of us. Moses finally, rather grudgingly, faced up to the responsibilities and opportunities in verse 13 of chapter 4, and he said, O Lord, send, I pray, by the hand of him who you will send. In modern-day terminology, Moses was saying, if there's no one else to do it, and if I can't get around it, then I'll go. I think I've said those very words before. There are at least two truths from this early example of Moses that can be inspiring and challenging to the child of God in today's world as we face up to the fact that God needs us and that God wants to use us in delivering others from the slavery of sin and leading them to the promised land of abundant living. The first truth is that one does not have to be perfect to serve God effectively. If you're like me, when you look in the mirror, you are your biggest critic. You're not perfect, are you? I don't want to tell you you're not, but you're not, and neither am I. But when we look at the scripture and we see what God can do with imperfection, we should glorify him because he has saved many a life with an imperfect person, hasn't he? that submitted themselves to him. Moses was far from perfect, yet God used him in a mighty way. God can use each of us and will, particularly if we voluntarily commit ourselves to cooperative activity with him. And the second truth is that God uses those who are available. While one's ability is of tremendous importance, one's availability is the matter of supreme importance to God. God has chosen the simple things in order to accomplish mighty and wonderful things. God will use who is available to be used. 
One of the most powerful parables that fell from the lips of our Savior concerned those who made excuses. You know the story. He tells the story of a man who prepared a great supper and invited guests. One offered the excuse that he could not come because he had to attend a private a piece of property. Another offered the excuse that his occupation stood in the way of his coming to the banquet. A third declared that he could not come because he had an obligation to his family. If a man develops the habit of making excuses, he can always find an excuse for saying no to God. And that's what happened in that parable. You see, when you serve God, it will not be convenient. It will cost you. Moses was content, at least as we read in this passage, of being a tender of sheep on the backside of the desert. You know, sometimes that sounds quite appealing, doesn't it? Out there by yourself, tending the flock, not worried about what anybody's thinking, not worried about what you look like, not worried certainly about what you smell like. Just tending the flock, minding my own business, But you see, sometimes God has to stir us out of our convenience to do what he wants us to do. And so learned a lady in Poland during World War II. In World War II in a Polish village, the Nazis came into the village and accused all of the Jews of crimes against the state. They rounded up all the Jews and brought them out to a field. They were forced to dig a ditch that would later become their grave. They then stripped them of their clothes. They then lined them up and opened fire with their machine guns. Bullet after bullet flew into their quivering flesh and the people fell like cordwood, head over heels into the grave they fell. A little ten-year-old boy was standing there with his dad and mom. The bullets ripped through his parents' bodies and as they fell, this little boy fell. But he was not touched by by the bullets. He fell into the grave but did not move. They assumed he was dead because he was splattered with blood. They began to push the dirt over these people and they buried that little 10-year-old boy alive. He began to dig out of his own grave. He clawed and dug his way to the surface. He was naked, clotted with blood and dirt. He went to the house of a neighbor and knocked on the door. When the door was open, the lady of the house saw the little boy covered with blood and dirt. She recognized him and knew that he had been marked for death. She screamed to him to go away and slammed the door in his face. The little boy dragged himself to another door and knocked on that door. He begged for help, but the same thing happened. He went to the third door. The lady of the house opened the door. She froze as she stared at that little boy. Before she could say anything, he said to her, Do you recognize me? I am the Jesus that you say you love. She broke down and wept and said, Come in, come in. And at the risk of her own life, she sheltered the ten-year-old boy. You see, God equips us for what's ahead. If he calls you, he equips you. Our limitations are in ourselves, not in God. It would be wise for us to quit making excuses. 
we should be honest with our Lord, with ourselves, and with others. Let us cooperate with God. Let us face our responsibilities and quit blaming others for our failures. Let us quit living under a list of excuses. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. We can say the same thing. God sends us. The question is, are we willing to go? Or are we just filled with excuses? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this story of Moses. What a wonderful story of a man who was like us. And yet you were able to use him because you equipped him. And we know, Father, you equip us. And so I pray, Father, that we might give ourselves to you as your servants. And if there be one here this morning, Father, who has never given their life to Jesus, may they do so. For in doing so, they too will have Christ living in them. Bless us in this time of invitation. In the name of Jesus, amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. Hymn number 434 is our hymn. I would encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, to do so. Give your life to him. Admit that you are a sinner. Ask for forgiveness. And Christ will come in. And if you know Christ as Savior, ask yourself, am I making excuses to not do what God has equipped me to do? Will you stand as we sing hymn number 434?
always good to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm glad that you've been here today to be a part of this service. Remember, next Sunday, we will be meeting in here at 8.30 for our worship service. It will be a traditional worship service at 8.30. And then following that service, there will be an abbreviated Sunday school. Hopefully, you can let out by 10 after the hour. And um, then we will make our way to the Family Life Center. Uh, make sure you sign up today. There will be somebody in the foyer, right, to sign up? Is that right? Yeah. I'm looking at Chuck back there to sign you up if you hadn't signed up. And we'll all wear our hairnets next week and just laugh at one another as we prepare these meals. So wanted to make you aware of that. Everyone will, can have a job. If you can't stand, there are jobs for sitting, right? Yes, I know there are because I've done this before. So there are jobs where you can sit and do the job. So I hope that you'll come. Just be a special day, a different day. It's like I told you the first service. We will go to service. And then we'll go to service. Got it? Yeah, you're awake. They were awake in the first service. They got it too. So that's what we're going to do next week. Something different. Something we can celebrate together and know that we're helping other people. Let's bow for a benediction. Eternal God, as we depart today, we are grateful that you equip us to go into the world. That we don't go on our own selves. We go with the adequacy that comes from you. We know that I am sends us. And may we, Father, take what you have shown us through your love, your mercy, and your grace and share it with the world around us. Bless us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.